Hey everybody, welcome to church. Welcome to High Ridge Longview Online. My name is Tim. I'm joined here by some amazing people. My wife, my daughter's here for the first time. Hannah, who directs our children. Uh, Pastor Chris, who runs the most amazing worship ministry on the planet. These guys are here uh, because we love you and we wanna make sure that we get the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, a good study of the word of God, right to you and right where you are. And I pray that you would enjoy this. If you like what you're hearing, would you do me a favor and click the share button? We always, uh, we always enjoy that very, very much and people will, will take what we're doing and use their influence to add it with ours. That, that means a lot to us. Um, also, give us a comment. Let us know uh, where you're watching from. Let us know what's going on in your life. We wanna connect with you and just uh, just see what's up with you. So we are, we're, always, we're always intrigued by, uh, by how far this message gets to spread and who the people are on the other side of this camera. So um, thank you for that. For those of you that are supporting us with your generosity, with your tithes and with your offerings, thank you so much. That means a lot. If you're looking to support us, highridgelv.com slash give is the way that you can do that. Uh, you're under no obligation, no pressure, but if this is where God is feeding you his word, then, uh, then I wanna just say thank you in advance for you being obedient to do that. Thank you. Uh, grab your Bibles if you would. Ephesians chapter two is where we're gonna continue uh, on with our study. We're in a, se uh, a series called Kingdom Builders, and I wanna bring you a message today called, um, called Follow the Leader. Now, uh, the, the theme verse behind this uh, comes from Ecclesiastes chapter three that says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. We wanna be <laughs> gender inclusive. It, it God has set eternity, eternity in the hearts of, of, of all people. And, um, and this is that, that, that God-given sense that every person has at the center, at the core of who they are, um, that, that's, that's bigger than our life. There's a, yes. there's a purpose behind us. There's a heart for something that's, that's, that's for more. It's why we wanna build. It's why we wanna accomplish. It's why we wanna we want explore. It's why we wanna do things that are, that are bigger than us to create something with our life so that, uh, so that what we do with our existence matters. That's a, that's a God-given sense of purpose inside of each and every person on this planet. Now, unfortunately, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know who your maker is, if, you, if the created is, is not in tune with the creator, you're gonna spend your entire life without knowing what to do with that God-given purpose. It will always lead you into some foolish shenanigans like it has with me, like I'm sure it has with you. We end up doing crazy things because we don't understand what that's to be used for outside of a relationship with God, outside of understanding who created you and what you're here to do, um, we end up making a lot of bad mistakes. Life gets painful because we're misusing that God-given sense of purpose, that eternity that God has set in the heart of every single person. Um, when I was little, uh, my brother and I used to, uh, we, did, we weren't allowed to have television, so we had to get outside and actually play. I know that that's a foreign concept to a lot of people, but mom would say, hey, get outside. She would close the back door and lock it. <laughs> you come back inside when I say lunch is ready. And we were just, we had to spend, out, spend some time outside. Like, it's hot. Drink out of the water hose. Like, oh, it won't reach. Like, we'll do this. <laughs> and then put your thumb on the end of it and get it to, you know, I, I, and and just being outside forced us to, to be creative, but we got in touch with that, that sense of building something from a, from a young age. We had to dig in the dirt. And I remember uh, we, we used to take all our, our toys outside and we loved to play with G.I. Joes. That was our big deal. You know, the little miniature dolls, don't ever call them dolls, for boys. But uh, we would take those things outside and we would start digging a hole and then my brother would dig a hole from, from a little bit farther away than mine and then we would try to reach our hands through and get, make our hands touch so we could build a big tunnel. And then on one side of this tunnel, he would build his base and on my side, I'd 
I'd build my army base with my GI Joes and we would spend all day kind of fixing it up. And then of course, I was always the good guy. He was always the bad guy. And then at some point before lunch happened, I would, you know, take my foot and stomp on his side of the tunnel and just destroy it because I'm the good guy and the good guy has to beat the bad guy. Uh, but you know, I want you to catch this. Life, life has a way of getting us to repeat the same things that we do as kids. We want to build our own tiny little kingdom as adults and then destroy everybody else's. In the process, we end up getting destroyed in ourselves. You know, until you understand who God is and what he's given you that purpose for, um, you're gonna spend your life either destroying your own little, and building and destroying your own little kingdom or destroying somebody else's. Now, in, um, in, in no uncertain terms, I wanna make sure that you hear this, that the, the biggest waste of my life is to spend it building a kingdom to myself. This is where we find a lot of us. Our, our hope in life is to just make more money, to have more toys, um, to, to pay more bills, to, to buy more things. Um, and we build these tiny little kingdoms to ourselves while tearing everybody else's down. But that's not what God, that God-given purpose is inside of you to do. As a matter of fact, as we're coming through this series, I wanna make sure that we understand what it means, the difference between building our own kingdoms and building the kingdom of God. Last week, I reminded you about two important things. The first is that this, a kingdom builder is gonna have a clear understanding of who God is. Until you know who he is, it's gonna be very difficult for you to understand who you are, which is the second thing. A kingdom builder is gonna have a good understanding of who they are, who God has made me to be, what my purpose is, what my role is in this. And as a matter of fact, we went in a little bit deeper to, to make sure that we're very clear that we are stewards of what God has given us. We're not owners. He is the owner, he's the creator, we are the created. He's designed you for a purpose and you don't get to choose what that purpose is, he does. Right. You are the steward of that purpose. And so as we're digging into God's word, I wanna show you um, um, some great things that, that God shows us through his word that helps us to kind of unlock that sense of purpose and how to use that for his glory. And if you've never heard um, about this, this is gonna help you. I think it's gonna strengthen your life. It's gonna make a difference and, and meet you right where you are. So this is Ephesians chapter two and just uh, pick it up in verse four. And by the way, this is just one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. This is all good stuff. You're welcome to read through the whole thing. Um, I think it will really bless you. But for the sake of time, let's just read these next six verses and we'll, we'll put everything that we got today just within these six. In verse four it says, but because of God's great love for us. And don't just breeze past that scripture, that's extremely important. Everything that God does is because of his great love for you. Because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Your Bible may say our trespasses and then our sins. It says when God saw that you were dead and your trespasses and your sins, he made you alive with Christ because of his grace and his mercy and his love for you. It says this, it is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. In order, or this is why he did it, that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. See, that's where you find your purpose. Your purpose is so that you can display the incomparable riches of God's grace, that's what you were designed to do. Now that may come through in all kinds of different forms, but the ultimate point is that because of God's great love, he has put me on this planet to show the world his grace. So, he says, that grace was expressed in his kindness to us through Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast, 
But he says, for we are God's handiwork, or you are his creation, you're his masterpiece. And we were created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God wants to build his kingdom through you. There are great works that he has designed specifically for you to do that no one else can accomplish. But until you know him, until you know his grace, until you know his love, until you get closer to him, you'll never know who you are and what he's created for you to do. So as we're digging into God's word, I wanna I'll make sure that you, that you see a couple of, of things that are, are really important. I wanna give you four things that, that talk about how we build the kingdom of God and they're all based around um, following the leader because God has set the standard and he's asking us to follow after him. As we look at what God has done in each of us and we look at what he's done through his word, we, we tend to see patterns developing that give us a clue on how to follow after a great leader. You know, there's, there is nothing like following after a good leader. You feel secure, um, you feel like there's a sense of purpose, there's clear vision, and I, I love when you have a, a great leader that you can follow behind, somebody that knows where they're going, somebody that understands you, and you feel like we've, we've got a rapport, they know where I fit. I love being able to follow after great leadership. God has blessed my life with some incredible leaders through time, and, and it's also been times where I've chosen my leaders very poorly. You may have some similar circumstances where you're like, I, <laughs> I should not have followed after that leader. There's nothing like following after a great leader, but um, there's also nothing like following a poor one. You know, if you ever, uh, back in the days before GPS, uh, we used to do something uh, that might be foreign to people that have all the directions in the world on their cell phone. We used to say, hey, where are we going? Oh, we're going over here. Well, I'll follow you. And you might get in your car and you're following after someone. Now, if they're a good leader, they're gonna do things like stop when the light turns yellow because they understand that you're behind them, right? But a bad leader is gonna run right through that yellow light and you're gonna be stuck like, wait for me. Where, where are you going? I don't know where we're going here. And before the days of cell phones, we couldn't give, just give a GPS. We'd have to hope that the person that was leading us would be mindful that we're following behind them, right? Or we'd have to hope that they could give uh, very clear directions. And I, I remember people, you know, I'm just learning how to drive at this time back before GPS and people would say, okay, you're gonna you know, go down 61st Street and you're gonna turn Northwest. It's like, okay, easy Magellan, you know? <laughs> is, is, it, is it left or right? You know, <laughs> because don't tell me turn Northwest. Go 1.21 clicks. Like, what is a click? Point twenty one. what does that matter? Yeah. Or they'll say something like, you know, th and this is usually ladies. Ladies will give directions like this. Okay, you're gonna see a guy that walks his dog every time on this corner. And I want you, you don't turn there. You keep going past. And you're gonna see some really green trees, but you keep going past those. So, and then, then right where you get to, like this is, I'm not gonna mention any names. But this is how my wife gives directions. Like she gives them by, by landmarks that she thinks are, are really cute or things that you can, it's like, okay, left or right? How far exactly? You know, God wants us to know. He wants us to be very clear in the directions that he's given us. And so he tells us through his word over and over and over about what we are designed to do and who we are called to be so that there's no mistake in the direction that he wants our life to go. Unfortunately, many people will never see it because they just don't wanna get into his word. They'd rather have somebody like me tell them how to do it. So more than just me telling you how, my hope is to get you to fall so desperately in love with Jesus that you'll crave his word, that you'll open it up and see it for yourself. And so as we're getting into this, I wanna remind you that as we're talking about following the leader, um, even Jesus himself says this in John 12, he says, I don't speak on my own. Instead, the Father who sent me told me what I should say and how I should say it. In other words, I'm, I'm following after my leader. The Apostle Paul says this, follow me, follow my example as I follow Christ. 
So that following the leader concept is not something that just came about in middle school or in elementary school. That follow the leader concept has been around since before time. God gives us his example and expects us to follow it. So when, uh, when we look at Ephesians chapter two, there are some things that God wants us to follow that are about his leadership. And the first thing, if you're a note taker, the first of four things I wanna share with you is that number one, he always leads with love. And this is critical in the life of everybody that follows after the call of God. It's gonna, it's gonna be led with love. Everything that God does is because he loves you. And that may be a hard concept for some of us to understand, but he always begins with love. It says, our God who is rich in mercy and because of his great love, this is what he did for you, because of his love. You know, Jesus himself, or John actually tells us this in 1 John 4. It says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. We're following after the leader. We love people because God first loved us. He led with love. He loved us before we even loved him. While we were still in sin, one scripture says, he died for us. Why? Because he loved. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, he gave his son for you 2,000 years ago before you even existed so that you could have his grace today. See, he loved first. Before you were even born, he loved you. He leads with love. Well, what, that, what does that mean to me? That that same mind that was, was in Christ, let it be also in you, scripture says, so that we are gonna do everything that we do. We lead with love. We make our major decisions based upon what we love, and how God loves us. You see, things, uh, things like, uh, like fear, like money, um, like, like our own desires, those things can motivate you to change, but ultimately, if you don't really love what you're doing, you're not gonna stay at your job very long. If you don't really love your spouse, you're not gonna stay married very long. If you don't love your kids, you're probably gonna skedaddle at some point, <laughs> right. because love is, 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 is not your motivation. But God always leads with love. It's the greatest motivator in human emotion. Love gets us moving. See, knowledge will take you some places, but love is gonna give you the motivation to keep going. And this is, this is why it's important that you start with the knowledge of who God is, because I believe that when you know who God is, you can't help but love him. Scripture says that God is love. There's a great uh, quote from uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle this week that says this, knowledge leads to conclusions, but emotions lead to action. So you can know about God and it should, come, it should bring you to some conclusions, which is what we talked about last week. But at some point, your emotions have to get involved where it leads you to action, where you wanna actually do something for the kingdom of God. Yeah. There's knowing, then there's loving. Yeah. And hopefully at some point, you're gonna love him so much that you're gonna forget about the things that you think you love mm -hmm. and start trading them for what he loves. Yeah. And that moment, everything begins to change when you're following after the leadership of God who always leads with love. You know, when uh, Jesus was talking to Peter and uh, he says, you know, who do people say that I am? What do they know about me? How are they describing me? And Peter says, well, I, they say you're this or that. He goes, what about you? Who do, who do you know me as? He said, well, you're the Messiah. <laughs> you're the son of God. And Jesus tells Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but, but here's the thing. Based upon this knowledge of who you know me to be, I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom. Right. You've unlocked something there. Now, Peter knew who Jesus was as the Messiah, but did that save Peter from denying Christ when Christ was being crucified? No, it didn't. So what happens is Jesus has breakfast with Peter as after he's resurrected, he has breakfast with him after Peter has fallen and has gone into a deep depression. And Jesus asks him, do you love me? 
Let's get away from what you know. You know I'm the Messiah, but here's the second part. Now do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do. Do you love me? Are you sure you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. I'm gonna stir you to action. This is your yeah. purpose. That's good. Yeah. That's good. God leads with love and he expects us, once we get to know him, to take our first step out of our love for him. Mm-hmm. Not just our love for what we, yeah. lo- what we want, but our love begins to change. He leads with love. See, building God's kingdom starts with following in love with, falling in love with him and then seeing his love for you. When you see God's great love for you, you can't help but respond. Love just elicits a response. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone tells you that they love you, if you love that person in return, it's really, really appropriate that you say, I love you. Now, if you don't love that person, uh, it gets a little awkward. <laughs> because you, you, you still have to respond. Not be the, it may not be the response that they want. They're like, hey, I love you. And you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but you've got to respond. It elicits a response. And when God expresses his love for us through his son Christ and through the cross, through his great mercy and love, uh, it elicits a response from us. And either you're gonna reject that and say, I'd rather build my own kingdom, even though I know that this is pointless, or because of your great love, Lord, I choose to love you in return and give my life to you. Your emotions lead you to respond. God always leads with love and he's asking us to follow after his leadership to do everything that we do, starting with the first motivating factor, which is love. Here's the second thing I wanna make sure that you see from Ephesians chapter two, is that God, as the, as the greatest builder, he sees the big picture. God sees the big picture. And this is what he's inviting us to do as well, to see things as what they can be and not just what they are or what you're afraid they're gonna become. He wants us to look through the eyes of faith to see the big picture. He wants you to see your finances as what they could be if instead of working to make more, you use them to benefit the kingdom of God. He wants you to see your children, not just as hopefully grown up versions of themselves, but as world changers. See them as what they can be. God wants you to see your marriage as what it can be, not just two ships passing in the night or two people that are constantly busy. He wants, to see what, what, he wants you to see what it, what it can be. That's the way that God chooses to see you as what you can be. He chooses to see the big picture. It says this, that when we were dead in our, transpa- our trespasses and our sins, our, our transgressions, like even then, God did all this, and the scripture goes on to say, so that in the coming ages, God has the future in mind. You see, we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, but God didn't choose to see you as dead. He chose to see you as what you could be. It says he raised us up because of his mercy and because of his grace, and he seated us with Christ so that for the rest of all time, people could see the incomparable riches of his grace. That's your purpose. God has put you on display for the world to see. Unfortunately, many of us live uh, like, like this. <laughs> I'm afraid for people to see my scars, not realizing that that's God's grace. That's the most beautiful part of you. People love, love to see someone that's real, and that's vulnerable, that's yeah. honest and open. That's why I haven't chosen to, to, to hide my background or my mistakes. I, I think that's, that's what makes me me. And it's what puts God's handiwork on display because if God can do this with me, think of what he can do with you. God leads with love and then God sees the big picture. You know, we tend to get stuck in the details 
you know, get stuck in the weeds. Um, we get stuck in all the things that, that, that we can't understand or can't figure out and we, and we get stuck with our head down like this. If I could just fix these little tiny things that are going on in my life, all these little mu- mu- mundane things that kind of compete for our attention. And God's like, hey, get, fix the weeds, but then get out of them. See the big picture. Kingdom builders can see the big picture. Why? Because God is has asking us, hey, follow my leadership. I want, to, I want you to see things as they can be. Because if I can see it, then I can stop, staying, stop getting stuck in the weeds and start moving forward to the things that are better than just the mundane details of my life and the things that I can't quite figure out. He wants us to see the big picture. I think when, we, when, when God helps us see what we can be, we get a boost. We get out of the weeds. We get out of the, the doldrums. We get out of the ditch. We get, out, we get unstuck because we see the bigger picture here that my life can make a difference. My life can matter. He can use me. Mm-hmm. When we, and, and then in that, in that process, we can accomplish so much more when we can see beyond just the, the weeds of the temporary pain and the discouragement and the things that we don't like about our life, the things that we're having to deal with now. When we can see the bigger picture, we can endure those things. Yeah. In Hebrews 12, it talks about Jesus. And I love it that uh, he says that we're to follow after Jesus' lead. The writer says, looking to Jesus, or in other words, here's the model. Here's the leader that we're gonna follow. It says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. So Jesus was able to see the big picture and endure death, endure shame, despise it. Why? It says for the joy that was set before him, he saw something bigger and greater. You know what the joy that was set before Christ was? you it's you it's me and jesus knew that we would need this so he looks past the temporary circumstances of the pain that he's having to walk through and he sees the bigger picture of the joy that comes into my life and into your life when we just believe in what he did for us for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and he won because he was able to see the big picture and it gets him through the pain and the discouragement of today I wrote it down this way. We build God's kingdom when we see that our joy isn't in what we accomplish for ourselves, but in what it can do in the lives of others. Yeah. You see the pain that Jesus endured, endured in the, the humiliation of the cross, if that was just for him, then we've missed the point. Right. But because he saw that this is not just about me, but this is because you're gonna need it, because you're gonna need it and you're gonna need it, yeah. and he was able to endure. And when you start seeing pain that way and discouragement that way, when you, can, when you can look at it and say, wait a minute, if I can see the big picture, then I can walk through this because God can use this for his glory. Right. We get a boost. That's right. We get back on track. Life begins to have purpose again. We stop getting stuck in the pain and the discouragement of today. Here's the third thing. And this is what I love about Christ that it tells us here in Ephesians 2. He always extends grace. Man, our world would be such a better place if it just had a little bit more grace in it. They had a little bit more grace. I don't. I don't. I, I think we we talk about people. We describe them as a graceful person. But normally, when we say somebody is graceful, we mean that they don't trip or that they can dance or they've got good balance, right? But that's not grace necessarily. That that's 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 good. Uh, that's good balance. Grace is completely different in Scripture. You know, when God extends grace, that means that He gives us a way out of our sin. He chooses to forgive even when we didn't earn it. He chooses to, to take um, what we are, take an honest look at it, and to say, yeah, but you're called to be something better. I see you as this. Right, you know, when Jesus catches the woman um, that has been, uh, the woman that's been caught in adultery, they throw her down before Jesus. 
And Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then everyone leaves because everyone has sin. Everyone knew that they couldn't cast stones at her. Jesus extends grace in that moment. It's a beautiful picture of grace. And Jesus looks at her and says, where are your accusers? And the one that could accuse her, the one who had no sin that could have thrown a stone at her was Jesus himself. But he says, I don't, I'm not here to accuse you. Now go your way and sin no more. I love that about our father. And I love that about his son that uh, he extends grace. Notice Paul, Paul writes here, he says, it's by grace that you've been saved. You didn't earn this. Right. It's God's amazing gift. So uh, I, I believe that God, God gives grace and he gives it because he chooses to, not because somebody earned it. And we can follow after his lead and extend grace to people who have not earned it. Yes. For people that didn't even say that they were sorry, we can forgive we can let things go. We can take things that were previously holding us back and keeping us confined because of the, the bitterness we have towards someone else or the wrong that someone has done us. We can extend grace, why? Because God gave grace to us. Yeah. We can follow after his lead. In order to be a kingdom builder, in order to find that sense of purpose, we're gonna have to be covered in his grace and we're gonna have to extend grace. Yeah. You've been given a lot of grace and there are times that we're gonna have to extend it as well. That's not easy. But if your father did it, if Jesus did it, if Paul did it, if others around you do it, you can do this. We can absolutely extend grace. We can choose to believe the best. We can choose to say, you know what? It wasn't right, um, but I'm gonna extend some grace there. I'm gonna give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Right. I'm gonna let it go. That may be the word that you need to hear today, to extend grace. Yeah. That's a big deal. I wanna make sure that you understand this. Um, grace is not a free pass. It's not saying that something didn't happen when it did. Grace, grace does not ignore sin. Right. No, but grace exposes our sin and then calls us to become something better. So this is a great tool if you're disciplining your, your children. It's not ignoring what they did that was wrong. It's saying, look, this was wrong, but you're better than that. Right. You're better than that. You can do this. That's grace. Mm -hmm. Not that you've earned it. You were wrong. You messed up. You fell short. The good news is there's grace for you. You're better than that. We can empower you to rise above that thing that you think you can't get past. No, you're a kingdom builder. Kingdom builders know who God is. They respond in love and they begin to extend grace because they see the bigger picture. Here's the last thing I wanna share with you. And this is about the following the leadership of God. He actually puts in the work. Now notice we're gonna talk about works last because Paul makes sure that you understand that it's not by works that you're saved. Right. Your best most powerful accomplishments, the, all the great things that you've done with your life cannot save you. Your best days cannot measure up to the amount of wrongs that we've done. He said, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sin. You know, those word trespasses means rebellion and your, your sin means you missed the mark or you failed. Rebelled and failed. All of us have a rebellious streak. All of us are covered in failure. Every single person on this planet, you were dead. It's led, led to the death of every single person. We cannot possibly live up to what God's perfect standard is. But because of his grace, now he's given us works to do. What are those things that I'm supposed to be doing? What are those things that you're supposed to be doing? I wanna make sure that we're very clear on this because there's no point in following the leading of the king if we're not willing to actually put in the work. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you start becoming who God has called you to be. You start putting in the work and this starts today or, or Monday. The works that you've been called to do. He says, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
not just to start your own business, not to just have kids, but there are works that Jesus himself paid for on the cross so that you could say, this is why I was created. This is why I was born. Not to make him love me more, not to make him give me more grace, but because of his grace and because of his love, I choose to do this in response. He says, you were created in Christ to do good, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So uh, these works are a response to the gift of grace. Uh, they're, they're not to earn it. So I wrote it down this way. It is my purpose to put God's grace on display. This is my purpose. When Jesus says, Lord, I want you to be glorified in me, is the last prayer that he prays in, in, the, in the book of John, John 16 and 17, when he's praying for believers, he says, Lord, I, be glorified through me and I want them to, to have your glory as well. What that means is to be put on display. Yeah. Your life was meant to show off God's handiwork. And that means you can't live in the closet. That means you can't live in the shadows. Yeah. That, that means that there are no such things as secret agent Christians. That means that come Monday morning, you have to look for opportunities to show the grace of God. Yeah. You have to look for opportunities to show people what God is doing in your life. You have to look for opportunities to prove, look, I'm not the same as I was. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. And if I can do this, you can do this. Yeah. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How do we do that? We follow the leader. If God did it for us, and he's asking us to do the same for others. We were created in Christ to do good works. We have to actually put in the work. In my, in my own opinion, that's the measuring stick of success. Not did I earn God's love today, but did I do what God called me to do today? Have I used every opportunity that he's given me to proclaim his goodness? Um, that's how I know it was a successful day. Can I, did I show grace to somebody? Did I pray for someone? Did I talk to somebody about Jesus? Did I study his word? Did I, did I talk to my children? Did I, did I talk to my wife? Did I treat them with love? And, and did, I, did I show them the grace of God? Am I becoming who God has called me to be? That's a successful day. You know, God has called you to build a kingdom and it's not your own, it's his kingdom. You don't get to make the rules. You don't get to determine whether or not uh, you like it. It's his kingdom. And you were created in Christ for a purpose, to display the handiwork of God. It says you're his masterpiece. And you're called to do some good works. That means that it's time to get to work. So I wonder, um, what would change in your life if you determined that today I was all in? What would that mean for tomorrow? What would that mean by the way that you speak to your spouse or the way that you speak to your children, the way that you speak to your boss or how you speak to those that have wronged you? What would change? If you determine that today, I'm gonna to be God's handiwork. I'm gonna do the work that God's created me to do. Why? Because he loves me. Yeah. Because he sees me as what I can be and not just what I am. Because he chooses to extend grace to me. Because of those things, I don't wanna be the same person. I wanna grow. I wanna become closer to him. I wanna build his kingdom with the rest of my life. As we finish up today, I wanna to just encourage you, man, if you're, uh, if you're willing to take the next, the next challenge, the first thing you can do is share this video. Share it with your friends. Use your social media influence to share the love of Jesus. I believe that God can use the simple things that you share to change the world. And so my hope is that you would take this challenge and no longer live in the shadows, but in response to God's grace, you would follow his leadership and become who he's called you to be. That's my hope for you. Let me pray for you. 
Father, I pray for my friends that are watching this video. I pray that they would respond to your great love, that they would see, Lord, the big picture of what their life could become, that you would give them a vision of who they can be in Christ. Lord, I pray that they'd begin to extend grace and actually put in the work to become who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. Now, as we finish up today, I want to pray for each and every person that may be watching this video that has never had a moment where you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Sins are the time where you've fallen short and you've missed the mark. Things that you've done that you knew were wrong. Things that go against God's word. If, you've ne- if you don't have a moment that comes to your mind where you know for sure that you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of those sins, I want to help you do that like somebody helped me one time. And it starts with a prayer. Right where you are, you can pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus... I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, and I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, I am so proud of you. If you just pray that prayer with me, so incredibly proud. I would love to get in touch with you if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Would you text me? Um, we have a new number, by the way, that you can text. And uh, I think it's HRC text. Zach, would you help me out again? 844-844-844 HRC text. Is that right? Are you sure? Are you positive? Are you 100%? <laughs> it's going to be coming up on your screen. I promise you this. <laughs> text the words, I prayed. I-P-R-A-Y-E-D. Every week we get a text from somebody across the world that says, hey, I prayed. I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor Tim. That means the world to me. So the number's on your screen. I prayed is the text that I'd like you to send me, if you wouldn't mind. And I'm gonna send you some things that will help you and encourage you. It's all free. I'm not gonna ask you for anything. I just wanna be able to, to bless you and help you take the next step. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing day.